We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We have a question from John A. One. It said, Jane Thomas leads the Notre Dame wide receivers and catches in yards. Does that change the ceiling of what you thought this wide receiver could, core could have been? Would it change your outlook on this team? Uh, no, not really. As far as against I, NC State. I think Jane Thomas was one of the top front runners to be the leading receiver this year. I mean, like, I didn't We, think we that both said outrageous. that we thought he would lead. I believe we both said this, right? I think we both said that we thought we wouldn't be surprised if he leads the team in catches i'd be a little bit more surprised if he leads the team in yards yeah like the reality is is chris tyree Jaden greathouse tobias mayor they're one big game away from catching him in yards i mean again we're two games in and he's had almost identical stats in each game four catches for like 63 and 68 yards something like that 63 65 something like that um what it would probably tell me is that Jaden thomas is is better than i even better than i thought is probably what that would tell me ryan you know, it's good, man. But it, really good, it, there's so. context involved, right? Like, is he leading the team in stats because the other receivers aren't playing well, or is he leading yeah. your team in stats because he's just playing better than we thought we, he was? He's that I mean, guy. Yeah. yeah, it just would depend on why. What What's the he's, reason he's leading the team in catches? But he, he's looked very good through two weeks. Yeah. So we shall see. Agree. Man. We shall see. Agree. I'm going to ask this one, Ryan. You may not know the answer. Uh, John Roosman says, with Deuce Knight leaving Lipscomb Academy and going back to George County, can he immediately play, or will he have to sit out the rest of the season? I'm not 100% sure, but I think there's some level of sit-out that he has to happen. I think Is it 30 days, 60 days? There's probably something. Like I, I, I would be surprised if he was immediately eligible. I, I would be actually shocked if that was the case, but I'm not 100% sure on it. Yeah. Um, This is an interesting question. Irish Gordy not, not sure says, how much we're going to touch this one. Irish Gordy not says Thanos snaps his fingers and removes the concept of football from the minds of all humans. What do people hypo- hypothesize is the reason for these groups of people being together? I have no idea. What? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of confused. What do pe- people hypothesize is the reason for these groups of people being? I mean, together? Look, oh, so like watching a football game or something? Is that what they're saying? Is that what he's saying? I mean, look, I sporting events like this have been going on. For since from the beginning i mean people have always had this desire to compete and yeah. you know i mean you find ancient drawings of indians and 
you know, people in South America and Asia and all that, there's some sort of sporting event that brings people together. Um, in America, we tend to like American football and other uh, parts of the world. It's soccer and other parts of the world. It's cricket. And uh, you know what I mean? Like in other parts of the world, it's rugby. Uh, there's always a desire for a sport. Maybe they're just at a party too, man. Like, you know, tailgating, yeah. you're drinking probably, yeah. you're eating food. Like, I mean, well, it's I mean, <laughs> and, and, and you look at the revolutionary period, we talk about history a lot. I mean, people gathered together all the time to talk about politics, to talk about the events of the day. I mean, people, there's a, there's a, a desire in, in humans as a, as a whole. Now everyone's different. I'm, I'm a bit more of a, I like to kind of be by myself, right. When I'm not, doing this. I like to kind of, I'm a homebody a little bit, but just as a species in general, there's always been a desire to gather and to, to be part of a tribe, you know what I mean? And, um, that's always been a, a yearning desire that's I think ingrained to us by how we were created by God. So they would find something, right? The passions of the early Americans was not baseball or anything like that. It was, it was getting around it at, at, taverns and bars and and meeting rooms and talking about whatever issues of the day were going on I actually kind of wish we did more of that you know what i mean i wish we i love the fact that sports matters but i wish people were more engaged in in civics to be honest with you but if sports wasn't a thing and football wasn't a thing that would be something that as a society we'd probably see more of or some other sport would you know we'd still be going to baseball games more we'd be watching right. more basketball games you know, we'd probably be watching more soccer or something like that, right? Like, it would just go to something like that. So, um, that's that's my that's my stance. I was screwing out. I thought you were going to ask me like, who would I snap away from existence? That would have been a much more interesting yeah. question, but I don't want to hit on that one either. Ryan, um, I don't I don't want to hear you talking bad about Michigan fans today, Ryan. So we're gonna John A. One. <laughs> I, I actually have an uncle that's a Michigan fan, and but I would not snap him away. Um, okay. You I can say all that, but, you know, because you can be specific yeah. with what you're wanting sure. going away. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Football season is upon us, which means my schedule is ramping up even more than normal. And it makes it a lot harder to spend as much time cooking and preparing meals as I want and need. And eating healthy can be especially challenging. That's why I'm looking forward to getting ramped up with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, which can help me fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to my door. With Factor, you can skip the extra trip to the grocery store and save a lot of time on food prep. But you don't have to miss out on the flavor. 
Factors fresh, never frozen meals are ready to go in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. And then we can get back to work. And you can choose from over 34 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never frozen meals. You can level up and get Gourmet Plus options and treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. There are also lunch-to-go options and Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. And you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of over 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like the delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and more. You can also try refreshing beverage options like cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. This September, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. And they have a great deal for Irish Breakdown listeners. Head to factor.com slash irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off. That's code irish50 at factormeals.com forward slash irish50 to get 50% off. Try it and enjoy. I've noticed Joshua Burnham listed in both defensive end spots. What is his potential at big end, and does he have the tools to be effective at it this year, or is this depth there not as good as the staff hopes? Well, the depth there is not great. I, I, I personally, Ryan, I don't, I don't quite get this one. I don't get why he's the the guy you're putting there. I, I think of the Vi- the young Vipers. I think Junior Tuilamaka has the best fit at the big end position of the two. I don't yeah. love either one of them there because, you know, Josh has the length. But does he have the yeah. Does he have the girth to thrive at that position? I'm not sure that that's the not right now. No. You know, and, and and also with the kid that twitchy, do you really want to put him where he's going to have a, a lot of times have a tight end outside of him the whole game where he just can't edge rush as much. I, I don't know that that's utilizing his skill to the maximum degree, in sure. my opinion, where I think junior could thrive more in that type of role. Um, uh, if it, so if it came to between the two, I, I would have junior there. I, I don't, I don't quite get that one to be honest with you. Yeah. We're not, not why not like a Tyson Ford or something? Like, I don't know. It's just very right. strange. That's a strange fit. I agree. I don't think yeah. Joshua Burn. I, I think stylistically, he doesn't play like a big end either. So, no. like, I mean, like, I don't know. Body type wise, he doesn't. You know, there's yeah. just a lot of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. Let's go to this next one. Here we go. Just your ordinary Joe says, what do you believe are. GG's. GG's. Uh, Gino Gadulis. Gino Gadulis. Sorry. Gino Gadulis, top three developmental goals for Sam Hartman this year. What do you believe they should be? Well, you know, I don't know, Ryan, that, that beyond what we've talked about in the past, getting the footwork for this offense down pat, building timing with the current roster, I don't know that there's a lot of development that Sam Hartman needs outside of, you know, what you can continue to build in the strength and conditioning program. I, you know, I, I think he's always been a pretty good fast processor. There's, I mean, they're all the development things I would say are, are footwork related, timing related, and just further grasp of this particular offense. I don't know that there's a lot more development that can happen with Sam Hartman outside of those things. And they're all more about adjusting to the specifics of Notre Dame and yeah. it's offense and personnel as opposed to Wild playing receivers. at Wake Forest. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's not like, hey, your motion needs work. You're, you know, you're, you, you need to get faster. You need to do that. It's, it's not a whole lot of that. But I, I think there's, a, there's still room for Look, I don't think Sam Hartman's a finished product within this system, in my opinion. Yes. I mean, there's, there's still some, some reads that he can still clean up a little bit. There's still timing as good as it's been. So it can get better. 
there's still aspects of the offense that I'm that, that I know for a fact they haven't really utilized yet. How is he going to execute that stuff? Those things are part of it, but that that's uh, that's where my focus would be with uh, with Sam Hartman. Ryan, thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that footwork is a consistent thing that we've talked about a ton because it's just a different se- different system, different approach in the passing game perspective. I think the natural maturation of working with Tobias Merriweather and Jane Thomas and Deion Colsey and it's just a completely different group of receivers than what you had. I mean, it's just about the timing and the feel that you have, the connection that you have with those guys, right? I mean, like that's the everyday type of stuff. More than that, like the biggest development that I want to continue to grow is that Sam Hartman is the absolute leader on this football team, right? Like, I think he's a leader already. He's a captain. But they continue to develop throughout the year because you're going to need him when the going gets tough, right? Like, when you're down in the fourth or you are in a tie game or you're in a playoff game or whatever that might be, the guy that everyone's going to look at is the quarterback. So, continuing to develop that leadership and that, you know, the captaincy, like that stuff, I think is big time as well. Let's go to the next question here, Ryan, from John A1. John A1 says, how many big plays plus 25 yards does Notre Dame offense need to make versus NC State to make you feel great about the rest of the season? Part two, what are your what are you taking over under on big plays set at four and a half? Ryan, I'm just not a what happens in this game means this for the next nine. Right. Like I just like let's say Notre Dame goes out and, and rips off five big plays and then they get the over. Does that mean that they're going to be they're going to be able to do that against Ohio State? Look, I'm a big believer, Ryan, that if you do something once, you can do it multiple times physically. But but when it comes to the level of your team performance, just because you do something once against, let's say, NC State, doesn't mean your team's going to be capable of doing that consistently. Sure. Right? Football is a game of matchups, right? And some teams match up better. Like we have a question about Duke and Clemson. It's not about. Duke did this to Clemson. What does that mean about Notre Dame and Duke? It means nothing for Notre Dame and Duke. We've always thought Duke was a challenge, but Duke being a challenge to Notre Dame has to do with how does Duke match up against Notre Dame, not how they match up against Clemson and vice versa. Clemson may not match up well against Duke, but they may match up a lot better against Notre Dame, right? Like that's the reality of how football works. And so, uh, but I will say this to your question, John. I will I will not have a this is what this means for the rest of the year takeaway from this game. But to answer your question, if Notre Dame rips off multiple big plays, like three, four big plays in the past game, then that's going to tell me something about what this offense is because, you know, we've talked about this, John, because of the quality of the NC State secondary. And the corners, like, you know, Ryan and I have talked about, you know, questions at linebacker outside of Peyton Wilson. They've got some new guys there and and all these type of things. But what we don't question is that their corners are really good players. So if Notre Dame is able to go out there and thrive against their corners and rip off, you know, four, five, 25-plus yard gains in the pass game, that's going to give me confidence that we can see it again against anybody because I do like this corner tandem. So I will say that would make me feel like I feel good that we're going to see more of this, but I've just got to see it more. I got to see more of it to say, Hey, this is who Notre Dame is now. That's what I would, I would see. What are your thoughts? What are your, as far as the second part, part two, uh, what are you taking over under on big plays set at four and a half? Oh boy. I'm, if it's 25 plus yards, I'm going to, I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over. 
I think they're going to rip off some some at least I think they'll 25 yards or more. I'll say at least five. I'll say that. I'll take the over. I don't know that it's going to be way over, but I'll take the over on that particular one. Next question here is from Archer four five two. Which team do you think will end up uh, outperforming their season win total the most, and which one will be will underperform it the most? If you're if you're um boy, if you're looking at preseason like college football, Archer, I. I couldn't tell you, man. It's I mean, we're one, two games in. I I really don't know that. I, well, I'll give you one. If, if it, let's take, let's do overreaction. Let's do an overreaction take. So like week one overreactions to answer your question. Have some fun with it because I don't want you to ignore it and give you the whole. We need to see more and need to see more. We all know we need to see more. But if I'm going to make a week one overreaction to your question, Colorado's one that pops in my head. Uh, absolutely, as far as what the expectations were for me. And 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 nationally to what they're going to do. I mean, they play like a team that's capable of winning nine games in the opener. So that like that's that's an overreaction to one week. The counter reaction to that is LSU is not going to be as good as people thought that they were going to be. Now, I didn't think they were going to be as good as other people thought that they were, but I still thought they'd be a top fifteen team based on one week overreaction. They're going to have a tough time getting to that point because they looked really really bad in the opener. Uh, against Florida State. And even in the early on, the game was competitive. I didn't like what I was seeing from LSU even early on. John A1 asks, which unproven unit of the defense will we find out about the most versus NC State, D-line, linebackers, or safeties? I think D-line, to me, is the one that I'd go there, John. I just think this is a a decent NC State O-line, but not a great one. And if this defensive line is uh, not given the chance to make a lot of plays or they are given the chance and don't do it, it's going to have me concerned about how well the D-line can play in some of the bigger games. I want to see this group be turned loose. And this is a week to do it, in my opinion. Okay, let's go to some others. Coleman Smith uh, says, Brian, if you could go back and play any other position than the ones you did play, what would they be? So I... In my career, I played quarterback, wide receiver, cornerback, and safety. So if I could play any other position besides those, I'd probably won't play a linebacker. Probably be the one that I would, would could play other than those positions. Domer Grizz has two parters. Uh, if I recall, Brian Kelly and or Tommy Reese would always script the perfect look from the scout team to practice offensive plays against so the team didn't know – what to do when opponents gave other looks? Part two, have you seen or heard uh, from sources that this will be is still happening under Marcus Freeman and Jared Parker? I know Marcus Freeman said Jared Parker practiced calling live plays during camp to get used to the process, but that's different. I have actually heard that it is not the way that it used to be, that they are putting the offense in more difficult situations, which is why I think the offense didn't always look as sharp in the practices we saw because they weren't putting them in the the position where it's it's – schemed for success and i don't think that was a tommy reese thing that was a brian kelly thing because that was happening in notre dame before before tommy reese became the offensive coordinator uh, so yes i would say that was a brian kelly thing and i don't think it's as much of a brian kelly thing based on what we saw so far dj with a question dj asks i contend this game is the simplest context as being able to run the ball and stop the run am i close Stop the run, uh, yeah. I mean, that was my number one key yesterday for the defense of uh, in the defensive breakdown is stop the run, dominate the run, and NC State's gonna have a hard time winning. So yeah, I would say yes if you could make it in the simplest context. And and honestly, DJ, that's true of almost any team you play. Uh, you know, uh, truly, if you can go out there and run the football and stop the run, you're gonna have a chance to win a lot of football games, a lot of football games. Domer since birth. 
asks a question and says, compare the big three, Ohio State, USC, and Clemson on our schedule to the big three of barbecue, St. Louis and Memphis, Texas and North Carolina. Cheers. Well, let's do the overreaction after week one. Then USC is, to me, Texas. And that's obviously my number one. Ohio State would be my St. Louis and Memphis. I really like a dry rub. Uh, there's no doubt. And some of the sauces that they have on those areas. And then Clemson would definitely be the North Carolina barbecue, which has got a very vinegary, not great flavor in my opinion. So that's the in, in order in which I would do it. Archer 452 says via FanDuel, Notre Dame currently has the ninth best odds to win the title ahead of teams like Tennessee, Washington, Oregon, and LSU. If you set the line, where would you put their odds? I mean, I, I'd say probably anywhere from six to nine would be where I mean, have to, you know, there's teams that are going to be ahead. Alabama should be ahead of them because they've done it. Uh, you know, uh, Georgia should be ahead of them because they've done it. Ohio State should be ahead of them because they've done it. You know, I'd, I'd probably put USC ahead of them, schedule-related. Caleb Williams beat Notre Dame last year. Outside of that, I mean, I'm not putting Texas ahead of them. I'm not putting LSU ahead of them. I'm not putting Oklahoma ahead of them. I'm not putting uh, Florida State ahead of them. Right now, I'm not putting probably six to nine. I'd probably lean towards more of the six spot if it was up to me just because I think their schedule gives them a little – here's reasons why. I think their schedule gives them a little bit more uh, leeway to have a loss. I think that when I look at this this team, I, I think their, their, their talent is more balanced in certain areas, and they have a quarterback that's um, been effective uh, in these type of situations. So I would that's where I would go with that one. Ryan, I had a feeling something was about to happen because you kept going like this. And I was like, oh, uh, dude, this this big, like this big, just well, I was like, oh no. And then I my lights went off for a good two minutes, and which means that the internet goes off for a couple minutes as well. So it was fun times, man. It was really, really fun times. So yeah. If anybody's here in South Jersey, man, there is a nasty thunderstorm out there yeah. right now. So everyone's yeah. safe out there, man. <laughs> yep. Ugh. All right, here we go. Here's uh one from Salty Virginia Peanuts. Salty getting me back. Actually, into the we, we show. don't have. Yeah, yeah, I don't have a. We I, we have no idea of knowing that. So, uh, sorry, okay. I didn't read that one until after I pulled it up. I have no idea. Gotcha. I'm sure someone has. So let's move uh, on to this one. Irish Mills five forty. All right, this is a good Salty's one. Question. Uh, I like what this one. would what would be more of a statement performance tomorrow against the state Hartman th- going for three hundred plus with three to four touchdowns or estimate going for two hundred and three touchdowns. Personally, for me, Ryan, it's 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 Hartman going for 300-plus with three Same. to four touchdowns. We Same. know that Notre Dame can have a running back go for 200 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, it would be a quite a statement to do that against NC State. But if Notre Dame's going to throw for 300 yards and three to four touchdowns, that's going to tell me a lot more about how good this team can be, especially against the corners they're going to be going against. One of the questions I was asked, Ryan, uh, before you came back, it was kind of along the lines of, of this. And I said, you know, look – you know, talk about like overreacting about about certain games to me like if Notre Dame's able to go out there John asked about big plays and the question was you know what's the over under on big plays and and I said you know I'd go five and and what would that mean for Notre Dame and my whole thing is if Notre Dame goes out there and rips off like four or five big plays in the past game against this secondary that's going to tell me something about this football team that maybe we don't know about this football team yet 
And 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 this question is kind of in the similar ballpark. Is uh, we saw what Notre Dame did to Clemson last year. And if Aldrich Estime, if if Logan Diggs wasn't in that game, Aldrich Estime would have gone for two hundred yards. If Lo- yeah. Aldrich, Aldrich Estime wasn't in that game, Logan Diggs would have gone for two hundred yards. Like they, somebody was running for two hundred yards against Clemson last year. If they were the lead back, that just they were just sure. going to rip it up. Right. We know that when Notre Dame's really on, they can do that. That that's not a that's not a thing. If you're going to tell me that, okay, now Notre Dame has the ability to go out there and just rip a good pass defense up like that, that's going to tell me something that I don't know that we know about this football team. It would answer a lot more questions. Like, here's what here's what people would say if Notre Dame runs for a bunch of yards on this. You say, ah, they're undersized and you're Notre Dame and this is what you do. You did this to Clemson. Let's see if you can do that to Ohio State. Sure. If Notre Dame goes out there and just rips NC State up throwing a the football, they're going to be like, yo – we we were saying Notre Dame doesn't have any weapons in the pass game. Did you see Chris Tyree go off against NC State? Did you see Tobias Merriweather smoking, you know, Shaheen Battle for a touchdown on that post? I mean, well, this Notre Dame team is going to be a problem. Did you see Holden Stace just running by Peyton Wilson on that on that particular over? I mean, Notre Dame's going to be a problem because we they everybody knows they can run the football, right? That's that's how I that's how I take that. That's how I take that. Yeah, I mean, I would also say that I mean, if we're talking about the state of this NC State team, they lost Corey Durden. They lost Drake Thomas. They lost Isaiah Moore. Three of their better run stoppers from last mm-hmm. year, right? If Notre Dame was able to run the ball in them, I could. I think a lot of people would chalk it up to they lost some guys, right? Yeah. As far as being run defenders in their front seven. But what they do at bringing back to your point is Shaheen Battle and Aiden White are one of the best cornerback duos in college football. I mean, they are. They're mm-hmm. probably what top ten, top twelve, top ten for sure, and definitely hard. top three yeah. on the Notre Dame schedule for sure. Yeah, but yeah, I'd say top I mean, ten, a, Ryan. I think that's fair. It's a really yeah. good duo. So if I'm saying Sam Hartman carved them up for 300 plus and threw three to four touchdowns, including one or two of them being against those guys, like, hello, how are we? Yeah. How are we today? Like, yeah, I think that no. would be a much bigger statement in my opinion. This next question is along the same lines, Ryan. At least my answer is going to be along the same lines. So let's go to that one. Irish Gory not. if you could pick one player from all of FBS football who isn't a quarterback to add to Notre Dame, who would it be? Marvin Harrison Jr. Easily. I would love to see Sam Hartman throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr. Would love it. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know how you stop this Notre Dame offense if they had a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. throwing in, in the boundary. I just – Very fair. Very I don't fair. see how you stop yeah. it. I don't see how you stop yeah. it. He'd be on my short list without question. He's yeah. a really good player, man. I don't even – like I'm – Brock Bowers would be a lot of fun. I'd <laughs> be a sure. lot of fun on this sure. offense. That'd be a whole lot of fun. But Because yeah, you could Mark- use him so much differently than how you used Michael Mayer. Like – I'm not saying yes. who's better, who's worse, but you could use him almost like a boundary receiver. Like he would have, he would look a lot like Tyler Eifert. How they used him in in 2012 yeah. in this offense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think those two guys are the first guys that popped in my head. Like those are. But we're thinking back, the same thing, right? Good. We both just went immediately with pass catchers, like giving that weapon. dynamic pass catcher, right? Yeah, yeah, big right. body, dynamic pass catcher. Yes, agreed, agreed. I mean, otherwise, it's like, I, I mean. If you want to give me Jared Verse, take Jared Verse. Sounds great to me. But like, yeah, I think that that could take the offense over the top, though, to your point. Yeah. So, right. It's about which position would give you the biggest bang for your buck. Yeah. You know, like, does, does Marvin Harrison significantly upgrade your receiving core more than Jared Verse recruit your, your improve your D line? Uh, Harold Perkins yeah. Jr., somebody like that. Barrett Carter would improve your linebacking core. You know, pick a safety that's really good. And and how would he, you know, the kid from Miami, there's a couple other really good safeties. How would they improve your, you know, your, 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 
your uh, safety core. I just think putting a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. on this offense has the biggest upgrade over any other potential upgrade and would make this team really, really hard to defend. Definitely. Absolutely. Yep. Our next question was from Beef Eater ND08. The North Carolina offense coordinator was the Syracuse offense coordinator last year. I thought he called a pretty decent game against us. Any worries about him versus Al Golden tomorrow? No, because I thought Al Golden did a pretty darn good job against him last year. I think he did. So, that was one of Al Golden's better called games, yeah, in my opinion, last year. Against I agree Syracuse. completely. Yeah. I mean, some of the yeah. stuff that they, the some of the stuff that he did that worked, Ryan, was stuff that I don't know that Notre Dame was as prepared for because of it was unique to Carlos Del Rio making some plays off Wilson. script yeah. that I don't. Yeah, yeah. Car, what did I say? Yeah, Carlos Del Rio Wilson making plays yeah. off script that that I don't know that Garrett Schrader would have made. You they know, also, and, I think, I think the offense got into a little bit of uh, of a moment there where they're just like, "Dang, we're down by a lot. We need to start like, right. speeding this up a little take bit." Take chances. I, that's not. Right. Yeah, that's a little more out of structure of the offense. Yes, it's still in yeah. structure of the offense, but like it's a little more like freelance type of right. feel to the game. Right. I uh, yeah, I agree with you about it. And it was one of Maris Lufau's best games of the year last year. And look, I'm, there was a and it was dumb Brandon off- Joseph's best game by a yeah. landslide. Oh yeah, because <laughs> he had a second. I was going to say like they had another interception in that game that got called back because of an offside penalty that the which, offside which was didn't even imp- more impressive than the yes. first one. It was a yes. really nice interception. Yes, yeah. Yes, the first one he did his job. He got in the right place, read the quarterback. The quarterback made a dumb throw. The second one was he come off the hash. He plays over the top. They hide load that they high load that receiver perfectly. Benjamin Morrison was underneath the guy. Brandon came over top, picked it off. Maris had a couple big plays in that game. Like to your point, Ryan, I think you nailed it. I think that was one of the best jobs that he did all year. He held that team to 286 yards. I'll tell you something right now. If if, if Syracuse only if NC State only has 286 yards of offense tomorrow. Averages 2.4 yards per per uh, rush and 6.3 yards per pass attempt. This game will look very similar to what last year's game looked like from a net final score, but I don't think NC State scores as much as Syracuse yeah. did last year. Because the other thing, too, is he doesn't have an Aronde Gadsden and a Sean Tucker on this year's team. Does not. He doesn't have a Matthew Bergeron at left tackle on this year's team. He has a better quarterback, in my opinion, no doubt. But the supporting cast, I mean, if you – if you could take Brennan Armstrong with Syracuse's supporting cast from last year, I think that presents more problems than Brennan Armstrong with the current NC State supporting cast. That's my opinion. That's fair. That. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. If you're looking for last-minute tickets to this weekend's big matchup between Notre Dame and NC State, Game Time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, 
Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's gametime.co. This one is from TD Brammy, right? Is how this one is for? I've always kind of gone with Todd Brammy, is kind of what I thought it was, but I could be wrong on that. Gotcha. If you had a fantasy college football team, what would be your first three picks or maybe a snake draft between your two with quarterback, two wide receivers, two running backs, et cetera? And I would, I would, I would want actually, if I was doing a snake draft and it was like, let's say it was three, four of us in the league or three of us in the league, I'd want the third pick. Cause I feel like, yeah. Cause I feel like if, if we're talking fantasy, I don't really care that Caleb Williams is a better talent than Drake may or Michael Penix. It's about stats. Right. And if I could get, you know, one of those guys, plus then I can get the next best receiver or running back in college football. Like, Something like that, you know, like if I could let's just say you I knew that Blake Corum was gonna repeat what he did last year. Give me Michael Penix and Blake Corum over Caleb Williams and then whoever I'm gonna get at six. That's how that's how I would look at it. But uh you know, yeah. I, I would I would take one of those big quarterbacks, you always take a quarterback first if you can in uh fantasy and after that, I mean good. Again, I, I still think Marvin Harrison's gonna put up silly numbers, but I might I might consider taking like a like a, a Roma Dunze or a, a guy from one of the air raid teams that throws the ball a million times. I mean, that's the thing is we're not talking about who's the best player. We're talking about who's going to put up the best numbers. Yeah. So um, that's where I would be kind of looking. It's also probably a point a PPR league, right? So like receptions matter, mm-hmm. just like the raw yardage yeah. type of thing. So some, I'm take some air raid um, guy, you know, that's going to put up yeah. crazy numbers. I, I actually did play in a college football fantasy league one year. And so how it kind of works is they only leave it open to power five teams. Okay. So like you can't go group of five or. Sure. So um, you could like take SMU obviously. or I got you. Yeah. Right. So like I couldn't take like Austin Reed last year, for instance, if I want to take Austin okay. Reed for throwing like 4,000 something yards or whatever. But I don't know. I mean, I'd I just, take a guy at Houston. They're power five now if you had to do that. Right. Didn't they have? Yeah. Didn't Nathaniel Dell put up crazy numbers last year? Like for what? You know, yeah. yeah. And now he's gone, he correct? And he did he, he, he went pro, gone. correct? But they're he gonna have some gone. kid that's gonna put up silly numbers, you know, this year. Yeah. So I wish I could pick the UTSA crew. They have a couple of reasons I put up stupid numbers, and then Frank Harris yeah. throws for a billion yards. <laughs> yeah, and that's my whole thing. Is like fantasy wise, unless it's you know, like give me a Will Rogers who's going to put up a lot of numbers as a lower pick where I can pick a better running back or a better receiver. I think there's like more of a gap between your top five running backs and your, than it is in the number 10 running back than there is between the number five quarterback and the number 10 quarterback, which is the way systems sure. are now. Sure. So, you know, it's another reason why I wouldn't really get into fantasy football for college because it's just a different animal. It's like I can't take the best player in the league because he plays in a system that they don't give him the ball as much as this team is going to get over here to his mediocre guy that's going to go undrafted next year but catch 95 passes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like it's yeah. a little different animal. Very different. Yeah. 
We had a question from John Long who said, mailbag question, please lay out a reasonable stat line for Sam Hartman, then lay out a homer stat line for Sam. P.S. Hope Chris Tyree goes off. I love the show. Respect y'all. Appreciate you, John. Ryan, I think what, what you and I did this yesterday, I thought, and and I, I think I did something like, let me let me see. Actually, I think I wrote ours I, down, to be honest with you. I, I remember I was 19 of 29 for 278 and two 278 touchdowns. 278 and two touchdowns, yeah. I went 21 of 33 for 281 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. That's what I went with. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did yesterday. So that's our that's our reasonable stat line, same as yesterday. Homer stat line, I'm gonna here's the homer stat line, Ryan. Okay, total homer stat line. He goes 18 of 25 for 335 yards and five touchdowns. And he's out of the game pretty early. <laughs> like quarter. I mean, because it, it's like yeah. the completions are like bombs. It's just bombs away, right? That's my homer yeah. stat line. It, yes. He so. threw for four, 407 yards and six touchdowns. Yeah. 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 Yep. 18 to 25 for 355 yards and five touchdowns. How about that? A bunch of fives. Because three of them are going to go to Tobias Merriweather. That's my that's my other Homer stat line. How about that? Yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, it's it's like um, it's like Randy Moss against um, was against Dallas, where he had three catches over mm-hmm. fifty yards at bombs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Three catches, one fifty-seven, three touchdowns. Tobias Merriweather, write it in ink. Yep, that's our Homer stat line, and and Audric still goes for a buck twenty. <laughs> so. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But he does so on six carries because he's just right. he's unstoppable force. Four, 14 so. carries. 14 carries is yeah. what he's getting it on. All right. Let's go. Let's keep rolling. Jeff Luke says, Do you think it's better to hold plays in your bag of tricks or use everything and get it on film so teams need to plan for it? We talked about this the other week. I think that it is more beneficial for teams to see it because then it, it's more for them, it's more about I've seen that now. I know that is tangible. I need to make sure I prepare for that than like imagining the unimaginable, right? So I think that getting stuff on film is more beneficial. I'm not saying throw out the kitchen sink necessarily, Jeff, but I'm saying don't hold back though if you like a look versus a certain team because then that makes the next team say, oh, that works and now I have to prepare for that. That sucks. That's another thing I have to add into my practice uh, schedule today. Yep. Uh, Ryan, for me, I'm looking at it like this, man. Um, you do what you got to do to win the game. And against Navy and Tennessee State, you can hold some stuff back if you want. I, I'm, I'm with you. General rule, use what you need to use. But I also don't think you do things just to do things in those early games, sure. especially since you're trying to build something. But there's nothing I'm holding back this week against NC State that I think I not, might need to win because I don't want Ohio State to see it. Nothing. Because if I don't win this game, it doesn't matter what we do against Ohio State. I got to win this game. And uh, but yeah, I'm 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 with you. We've talked about this before. I'm definitely a um, let people see it. Make give them a lot more to prepare for. And, and also, there's a there's merit to you need to see if this works because there's stuff, Brian. You know this. You'll do stuff in practice. You're like, man, this is, plays gonna be great. And then you get into game and you're like, yeah, this didn't work. It didn't work very That's well. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Anthony Bell. Let me say, guys. I want to find that out against Tennessee State, Central Michigan, and NC State before I find that out against Ohio State. Is was my Very last true. point. Sorry. Go ahead. Very true. You're fine. Anthony Bell says, "Hey guys, the team can't start looking forward to Ohio State, but we can. What can we look for in the weekend's game that will tell us more about how Notre Dame fare in the Ohio State matchup on September 23rd?" I like this one, Ryan. I, I think number one, if they're very assignment correct in the offensive line, if they're physical and assignment correct. That's going to give me very good vibes that they're going to be able to be physical and assignment correct against Ohio State. Now, Ohio State will present a better physical matchup 
in the box than NC State will. They'll be bigger. They'll be more athletic. They're going to be better. But if I can handle all the stuff that Tony Gibson's throwing at me from a technical standpoint mm-hmm. and I'm physical, that's going to tell me I can project that to Ohio State. Now, we may not dominate them as much because they're bigger and better, but the the handling the quickness and being able to be assignment correct against these looks will be a very good sign. And if I'm and if I'm if I'm if we're doing things if 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 I'm looking at it from a Notre Dame standpoint, if we're doing things in the pass game, uh, really hurting the corners and hurting the safeties and getting the ball down the field, that's going to make me feel very good about projecting Ohio State for two reasons. Number one, it means we can protect the quarterback against pressures. Number one and number two, it means we can take we can go at with our skill players. We can go out against a talented veteran secondary and do damage. Offensively, those are the two things that I'd say. If you can do that in this game, it doesn't mean you're going to do it against Ohio State. It gives me a greater sense of confidence, however, that those things will translate because of some of the skill and then also schematic things that you're going to see. Ohio State's going to get to those things in a different fashion, but it's still trying to confuse you up front. That's what NC State will try to do. Create, use your looks and your post-snap movement to create mistakes from your front. Ohio State's going to do something very similar, just out of different you know, structures. And uh, if they can do that, if they can re- – look, if they can out-scheme and out-coach Tony Gibson, it's going to make me think they can do that against anybody. That That's sure. that's what it boils down to for me. One thing on each side of the ball, I think offensively, if Notre Dame is able to create some big plays in the passing game, that would be a big sign, right? Because I think you're playing against a really a really good cornerback duo. And if you're able to beat Shaheen Battle and Aiden White consistently, I feel good about your chances of beating Denzel Burke and whoever else is at the other side mm-hmm. of the corner for Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Defensively, I want to see the defensive front be able to make a lot of penetration this week because it is a better offensive line than what you've seen the last two weeks. You do have Anthony Belton at left tackle. You do have Dylan McMahon at center. They're both going to be NFL kids, in my opinion. So you have better quality up front. And we know that Ohio State's offensive line is still a work in progress and a lot of question marks, mm-hmm. right? So I think that showing the ability to create pressure is going to be a big thing on the defensive side of the football. I think offensively, if you're able to create some plays in the passing game, some explosive plays, I think that is going to be very translatable to hopefully beating Ohio State. Yep. Good question. Very good question, Anthony. Joel Eaton says, as a coach and or as a player, what was your favorite gadget trick play to run? What types of trick plays tend to be more successful? I mean, it's like with a lot of things, man. It it depends on on your team. You know, there are things you can do with like jet sweeps and reverses. If you've got a Chris Tyree, if you've got a Braden Lindsay, if you've got a guy like that that just doesn't work as well, if you're trying to do it and your best athlete is a Jaden Thomas or, a, you know, you, you, like, like things you can do with Chris Tyree and Braden Lindsay that you're not doing with. Like, remember in 2017 against Miami when Notre Dame tried to run a reverse to Chase Claypool? Yeah. And you're like, what are you doing? Like, that's not going to work against that defense with that guy. Right. And you do it with Braden Lindsay, it's a little bit of a different animal. Right. And remember, Notre Dame tried to run Jade, Jaden Thomas on jet sweeps last year. You're like, why? Jaden Thomas can do some things really effectively. That ain't it. You're not playing to his strengths as a football player. So um, it just depends. I, I'm not a big trick play guy. My, what I view as trick plays and gadgets are, are against aggressive coverages and, and something I would use against NC State. Give me some nod and goes. Give me some really hard slant and goes, like where you really sell the heck out of the slant and go. Yeah. 
Um, I think those things can can buy you some one on one screen and go. Like, yeah. You know, like that. Post snap yeah. switches yeah. where you're trying to get a, a, a wheel route free with Chris Tyree or a back out of the backfield. Like if I'm if I've got Jamer- Jeremiah Love in the game and I feel like I can go with a reduced look, if I if I feel like I know certain situations where I can get them in man and I can do like a redensed X look and run that guy on and over to take the corner out, and that's going to get me, Jeremiah Love, isolated against a linebacker, I'm taking that shot at least once in this game, right? Like, right. those to me are, you know, my version of trick plays. Uh, I don't view reverses as trick plays because I'm not calling yes. reverse unless schematically it makes sense. They're overplaying it. We have it built into our game plan every week, and if they're going to overplay and not respect the backside when we run stretch or outside zone, then we're going to come back with a reverse and hurt you with it. Like, that's yeah. not a trick play to me. That's that's no different than running a bootleg to me. And I would coach it that way. Trick plays yeah. to me are throwbacks. I toss a ball. He throws it back to the quarterback. You know, the reverse pa- the pass where I throw it backwards and that guy's got to throw it downfield. Those are trick yeah. plays to me. And honestly, I don't love those. Because I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, those. <laughs> out, but honestly, outside of that game, Ryan, when have we yeah. ever seen that work in a big game? Statue of Liberty. Oh, I've never seen it work in a big game. And like yeah. the 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 pass where you're throwing a backwards pass, a guy catches it and throws it down. Feel like when when have I seen that work in a big game? I don't know that I can point you to know, times where I've seen that a whole lot. You know, it does work surprisingly decently consistent from my, my viewing at least is a uh, is um the um the uh, uh shoot why, why can't I think of it now? Or a wide receiver catches it and then flips it back to a receiver coming 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 underneath, oh, like it's a hook and ladder type of thing. Like a hook and ladder, yeah. Like a hook yeah. and ladder actually works a decent amount from my experience yeah. watching college football and the NFL. It's just kind of weird, but yeah. we lost the game my last year coaching football. No, we didn't lose the game. We ended up winning the game in overtime, but we were busting this team's butt. And then they came back and they hit a hook and ladder on us for seventy yard touchdown wow. to to tie the game with like. Seven seconds left. It was wow. gross, man. It was gross. That's we were playing, wild. Brian, we were playing cover four. Nothing in behind you. Somehow, for some reason, the corner bit up on this little, like, in cut. And then, yeah, out the back door. It was fantastic. Fantastic. That's um, That'd be a tough way to lose. That'd be a tough yes. way to lose. Oh, we actually ended up winning. But that was a tough way to go to overtime with. It was not great. So, yeah. Ryan, I'm going to read this one because I want to get your answer on it. I've, I've answered this in the past, and I'm very curious to get your answer. This is from Sahil Rai. Hey, Coach and Ryan, could you talk about the difference in the number of reads a high school versus college versus NFL quarterbacks have to make, and is that the most important factor in QB evaluating? Is that the most important factor? No. From a high school level, I wouldn't say the most important factor, no, because – there's a lot of high schoolers that just aren't asked to do as much of this. And it's a very, so there's like such a, this is such a long and nuanced answer to me, right? Because what system am I running? Right. And what, what, what type of wide receiver crew am I working with? I mean, there's just so many different types of reads that happen. There's half field reads, there's full field reads, there's high lows. I mean, it's, it's not, I, I don't think it's standardized is basically what I'm trying to say here. For me, there's going to be some high school teams like the St. John Boscos of the world, right? The, the schools that have great coaching staffs that they go through a legitimate read, right? Like one, two, three, check that. But where there's some schools that are just purely based one read offenses or RPO systems where it's like I'm doing one read and I'm getting the ball out. So, you know, whether it's my hand the ball off, get the ball out that way where I'm going to go through my reads in, in that specific way. So I think it becomes more prevalent and more important the 
older you get into college. Because there's some college systems that are also one-read offenses or limited-read offenses. NFL is where it really starts to change the narrative because everyone is so much more athletic that you have to legitimately go through those reads consistently to make those plays. So it's nice if a younger player is given that responsibility, but at high school level, like there's just very few teams that I look at and say that team is going through a full progression. That rarely ever happens. A lot of times it's a half field read more than a full, full, full field read. So it matters, but it matters the more you get older and players can, figure that out and players learn from that as obviously the more experience they get. So I don't think that it's it, from the evaluation perspective from high school to college. I just look at if a, a kid like has a, gen, a a good understanding of spacing and where things are coming open and getting through the reads that they're asked to get into. I'm not going to hold it against a high school football recruit as a quarterback. If they go through one to two reads on, on every given play, because that's just the offense that they're in. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's what they can only do at the next level. So it gets more prevalent and more important the older you get, in my opinion. All right. We had another question from Andrew Kenyu says, if the goal for Notre Dame football is winning championships, do you think it's fair for a football team to hold ourselves to the standard of teams like Georgia and Alabama? No, I don't because you're, you're not recognizing where Notre Dame is in their process to winning a championship. You're, you're, you have to focus on compare them to Georgia and Alabama. Sure. Compare them to where those teams were during their climb to a championship, right? Like Nick Saban didn't just come in in year one and win a title. He won a title in year three. They went seven and six in year one. Pretty good team the next year. Then got embarrassed in their last two games of the season. And they came out the next year and won a championship. Yeah. And, and so it's all about the climb. And Notre Dame has certain hurdles it has to clear first before you can start holding it to a standard of Georgia and Alabama. The second part of that, Ryan, is the problem, if I were to say yes, is I think a lot of fans have an unrealistic expectation of what it means to be like Georgia and Alabama. Here's a perfect example. is I've seen people say this week many times, actually, well, Georgia wouldn't be worried about NC State. And I would say, well, no, actually, you're incorrect there. Number one, a team like Notre Dame should never worry about anybody. Being respectful of your opponent is not about worrying about your opponent, number one. Number two, uh, yeah, they should be because of what we've seen. And I've pointed this out. Georgia made their first uh, uh, college football playoff game in 2017. That's when Georgia began their climb. It was in 2017, right? That year, Georgia went on the road and played Auburn and got beat by 23. They got pounded in that game. Now, they came back and got a win later, but they had some rough moments. The next year, Georgia had a pretty good team, but they went out and got their butts kicked by LSU on the road. That was pre-2019 LSU, and then lost a game to Bama where they choked it away and then got beat by Texas in a bowl game. Come out 2019, pretty good Georgia team. Uh, they lost a game at home to a South Carolina team that finished 4-8. Well, then starting kind of in 2020, you know, they lost to Bama, they lost to Florida, and they really got good in 2021. They won a national championship, went went really good team, right? They barely beat a Clemson team that was not very good 10-3 to that season. That's it, 10-3. to They went out in some other games, didn't really perform overly great, got blasted by Alabama, but you know what they did? They handled their business. They did what they needed to do. They got payback against Alabama and won a championship. Last year they come out as the defending champions, and they start off kind of well. They play sloppy football against Kent State. They only beat Kent State by 17 points. So Georgia, last year, as the defending national champions, 
beat Kent State by fewer points than most of you think Notre Dame should beat NC State by. Right. So if you're next week, you come out the very next week, they beat Missouri by four in a game where Missouri led the most almost the entire game. Then about a month later, they play Kentucky and have a really ugly 16 to six road win at Kentucky. So, Andrew, to answer your question, and I mean this sincerely, if you're going to say, hey, look, you're Notre Dame, you should evaluate yourself the same way you do Alabama and, and Georgia. I would say big picture wise, yes, that's who Notre Dame should be. But when you get down to the nitty-gritty of evaluating who they are week to week, people that say, well, Georgia wouldn't be worried about NC State. And, and my whole point is, yeah, they would respect NC State. And if they didn't, then they would have close games. The other thing is you don't bring your A game every week. Nobody does. Georgia doesn't. Bama doesn't. Ohio State doesn't. I could point to plenty of times. That first title team that Alabama had in 2009, they needed two block kicks from Terrence Cody to beat a 7-6 and six Tennessee team 12-10. to 10. Right. So the, the issue that I would have is that so many people that say, hey, I compare myself to Georgia, then you think in your head, and maybe you're not this way, Andrew, that, well, if we're like Georgia, then we should go out there and blow out a team like NC State. What evidence do you have that every time Georgia plays a team like this, they blow them out? Because I have evidence that says the exact opposite. I have evidence that says Georgia doesn't always blow those teams out. Georgia, as I said, last year, Kent State, 39 to 22 game, Missouri, 26 to 22, Kentucky, 16 to 10. Those are all teams that are on or below NC State's level. So the key to me is the standard is winning. And then as a head coach, as a coach, you evaluate the process. If we if we didn't win a, a, a game with the playing our, our A level, then obviously we still have things to strive for and to work for and to get better at. And those are the things that you continue to build on. But if you're going to talk to me about holding yourself to that standard – we would have to have a conversation about what that standard is. And at the end of the day, that standard is, is how you go about your business on a daily basis. And then also making sure that you're going out there and you're, you're winning games. But this, the, the, too often there's this notion that that standard means that I'm going out there and I'm dominating everybody. That's not Georgia. So if I'm Georgia, I'm dominating everyone, not named Bama and Ohio state, or I'm dominate. And that's just not reality. And I could go through, you know, all the teams that have won championships in recent years, and I'll I'll give you examples. I can absolutely give you examples. I just gave you some about Georgia, and I've said this before. The only non-COVID team I've seen really do that – actually, I haven't seen a non-COVID team do that. And even then, uh, Alabama need only beat a, a four-loss Florida, Florida team in the SEC title game by four, six points. That's it. But you look at 2019 LSU. I've talked about this. Um, they beat Texas by a touchdown. That's it. They're 40, a, a, a Texas team that went eight and five. They beat them by a touchdown, 45 to 38. They did not bring their A game that it, it, at all in that game. That same year, they beat a decent Auburn team that went nine and four. That Auburn team lost to LSU, lost to Florida, lost to Georgia, lost to Minnesota in a bowl game. That team beat the LSU, beat them, but it was 23 to 20. They didn't bring their A game, they got it done. Right, 2018 Clemson. That's a one of the best teams of this past decade. They needed a comeback to beat Syracuse that season. They had to come back and beat Syracuse. They went on the road and only beat Texas A&M by two points. That wasn't a great Texas A&M team that year. That Texas A&M team went nine and four. They were okay. They got blown out by Alabama. Got beat by two touchdowns by Mississippi State. Got beat by Auburn. That was not a great football team in my opinion, that season. They're a good football team, but not a great one. And and that team gave Clemson everything that they could handle. 
that season. So I remember Clemson that year going on the road and playing Boston College. They won 27-7, to but it was an ugly game. But they got it done. They did what they needed to do to get it done. So I, I could do this. I could do this all day and go back and point to these teams that you're just like, man, that how did that team struggle? I go back to 2001 Miami, if I remember correctly. They had like a really ugly, uh, really ugly win over, I think it was Boston College, where like Ed Reed returns a fumble for a touchdown. And you're like, man, that, of all the teams you played that year, that team gave you the toughest test. Like, okay, that, that's kind of interesting, you know. So uh, you just go through the years, uh, 2017 of uh, Alabama beat Florida State 24 to 7, just a 17 point win. Again, a lot worse, you know, a lot people expect Notre Dame to beat NC State by a lot more. That Alabama, that Florida State team that year went seven and six. A week after losing to Bama, they lost to North Carolina State, lost to Boston College that year 35 to three. And Bama beat them by 17 points. That's it, right? So I mean, we could we could kind of I could keep doing. Like I said, I could do this all day. The key is having an, a a realistic ex- expectation of what it means to hold yourself to that standard. And in that regard, then I could say we could have a conversation about it. Going to get to these last few questions. Ryan's power is completely out, uh, so we're going to get these last few questions and then and then wrap things up today. We have a super chat here from Corey Flynn. Many fans have had have hand had hand sign. Excuse me. Let me try this again. Many fans have hand signs that do that Texas with horns up. How about our fans doing fists up, fighting Irish style, like the leprechaun logo, even saying fists up on the video screen? Thoughts? I don't know that I'd want to do like this. I think that's kind. Of, I don't know if that would be something to me. Uh, I, I'd be I'd be up to something like that. I. You know, I've never really gotten into the whole horns up, horns down thing. I'm just, I've never, you know, you see all these coaches on recruiting visits doing these like little hand signs with recruits. I'm like, I don't really care about that. Like, you know, mine would be this. We're, we're Notre Dame. We're the best team out there. So um, I, I, that's not really my thing, Corey. But if, you know, if Notre Dame, if, 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 um, like if the players, if, if the program came up with something cool like that and, and, and it was the kids adopted it, I'd, I'd be fine with that. It just, you wouldn't like see me doing it, but that, that'd still be fun to be fun to kind of have something unique. So like part of me, like I, I, I appreciate the uniqueness of it, but it's still just not my thing. I'm, I'm old. So it's still not, still not kind of my thing. I'll get down to a couple questions here. I want to, uh, I did want to address, uh, this is one from Anthony Bell. He said, there's much commentary that Notre Dame shouldn't have a full vote in the ACC. Aside from the reality that Notre Dame is one of the biggest powers in the ACC. Do you personally feel it should have a full vote? They should absolutely have a full vote for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's what the ACC agreed to to even get Notre Dame in the league. If they didn't agree to that, then Notre Dame wouldn't have joined the league. This notion that, well, you know, ACC saved Notre Dame. Guys, Notre Dame did as much for the ACC in 2020 as the ACC did for Notre Dame. Uh, number three is having Notre Dame in your league has been a huge benefit to the ACC. And, you know, this notion that, well, they shouldn't have a full vote, right? that's just silly. And the last thing is, is it benefits Notre Dame that the ACC be effective and be successful. And so why would you not want a team? They, 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 they're doing things for your best interest. I saw a silly article today that I just thought made no sense and just like dismissed Notre Dame's role in bringing in Cal and Stanford and SMU. And I'm like, this is why the ACC is dying because there's too many people that believe this about the ACC. That's just utter nonsense in my opinion and uh, not really helpful or, or productive. And it just, it shows a pettiness and a lack of understanding of the current landscape and doesn't really address 
you know, some potential issues that could be there. I, I think there's a, some certain reasons to kind of have some beef with that. But the reality is, is you all agreed to that when you brought Notre Dame in. So why are you crying about it now? Uh, and if you want to play that game and say, okay, cool, take Notre Dame's vote away, but here's what you do. Let Notre Dame out of the ACC contract. Go for it. And then see what happens to your league when you when when Notre Dame removes. Because if you don't let Notre Dame have a full vote, then guess what, folks? Notre Dame's going to leave, and you don't want that. That would not be good for the ACC. That would not be good at all. If Notre Dame doesn't play NC State this year, does anybody nationally give a crap about who NC State plays? Does anybody care about any game on NC State's schedule other than this one from a national standpoint? No, they don't. So um, here's a thought. Get better. Use Notre Dame as a standard to say, hey, we're gonna, we've, we've got to get better, and if we can start beating Notre Dame consistently, then our league's going to be really flipping good. And focus on that instead of crying about, you know, about Notre Dame. I just think it's petty and childish and just speaks to why the ACC is just a really just a dying league, in my opinion. So they just need, they need some tougher people in, chart, in position of power. And that's something I actually like what Jim Phillips has done. There's just too many media people and some school presidents that are just very weak-minded in my opinion, and that holds the ACC back a little bit. So anyway, that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. We've got someone out here apparently doing some yard work outside my parents' house, and it's very loud. So we're going to go ahead and wrap things up there. We will be back tomorrow for our post-game show. Vince and Ryan will start things off, and then I'll join when I get back from the stadium. So we'll have that after the Notre Dame game. We'll probably go live about 10 or 15 minutes at the conclusion of the Notre Dame game, so definitely be ready for that. Vince and I will probably have our upon further review on Sunday night. That's the plan as of right now. I mean, sometimes things happen, but that's our plan as of right now is to go live at eight o'clock on Sunday night, breaking things down after we've been able to dive into the film a little bit. So definitely be ready to check that out. But uh, for the rest of the day, y'all just get on the message board. Let's keep this conversation going. I'm going to hit the road, start traveling, heading down to uh, good old Raleigh and be ready for tomorrow's noon kickoff between Notre Dame and NC State. So before you leave, folks, do me a favor, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. If you're listening to a uh, us via podcast platform, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. And, of course, if you have not done so already, sign up for the message boards at boars.arsbreakdown.com. I'm telling you, you will not regret it. Talk to you all very soon. Thanks for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.